Today on Locked on Los Angeles Kings, we say goodbye to Derek Forbert and just like prepare for the rest of the season because that's it. That's all the moves we can make. We'll talk about the Forbert trade, the trade deadline, and more coming up today on Locked on Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Tuesday, you're listening to Locked On Los Angeles Kings. My name is Sarah. I am your host, and we're going to talk about the Kings and who's not on the team anymore. The trade deadline, of course, was Monday, and it passed relatively uneventfully for the Kings. Derek Forbert was sent to Calgary for a conditional fourth round pick in 2021, so we'll have to wait quite some time before we reap any benefit out of this one. Uh, The conditions are basically that the Flames have to make the conference final, Forbert has to play in half of the games, or if they re-sign Forbert, then it becomes a third rounder in 2022. So even longer to wait. Uh, The Kings retain 25% of Forbert's salary. Uh, That's one of those things that's like, it's neither here nor there. He's on an expiring deal, so it won't impact the Kings past this season. The owners of the Kings have more money than they know what to do with. So, you know, retaining part of his salary is also not a problem. So like, it is what it is, whatever. But this ends the tenure of Derek Forbert with the Kings. He has, you know, been a guy. He has existed throughout his whole career. He's gotten into 268 career NHL games, all with the Kings, of course. He has six goals total and 47 assists. And, uh, you know, because that's that's not his role, despite the fact that he has been playing on the first pairing for much of that time alongside Drew Doughty. Uh, scoring has not been Forbert's job. Existing has been Forbert's job. Like, I feel a little bad being kind of like, uh, whatever about this trade. But like, I don't know. Name one memorable Derek Forbert moment moment that doesn't have to do with like off ice stuff. As I was putting together my post about him over at Jewels from the Crown, I was like, all the cool things I could come up with were like his segment on Teddy Talks and the drawing with Drew segment where he didn't know what a chicken was. Like, I don't, he, he is a body on the ice. Like he doesn't really hit sort of, he doesn't score. He's a stay at home-ish guy, kind of like Dowdy liked playing with him because he was predictable, which I guess is good if you're going to play with Drew Dowdy. But like, you know, the Kings gambled at the expansion draft with Vegas of who they would protect and they chose to protect him over Braden McNabb. And I can't say that McNabb is a better defenseman, but he has at least proven slightly more versatile uh, for Vegas than Forward did for the Kings. But so I I can't say I was surprised at this trade. It didn't seem like there was much interest in re-signing him. And so he has gone to Calgary. Uh, The two names that kind of came up as possible guys who'd get shipped out who did not were Trevor Lewis and Ben Hutton. Uh, Hutton, someone who it was probably a long shot anyway to move him out, you know, especially because you know, no teams wanted him at the beginning of the year. The Kings were kind of his like only resort to get back into the NHL, but he is a competent defenseman on a very cheap contract. And so it would have been interesting to see if anyone would have taken him, but the answer is no. At least the deals that Rob Blake was potentially handed uh, were not deals that he thought were worth it. Uh, And so if Forbert only got a conditional fourth rounder, you can only imagine what some of these other players are getting. So Hutton is going to step up immediately into a much bigger role 
for the Kings. Uh, he did play some earlier in the season alongside Drew Doughty, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him jump up there as well. In his uh, post-trade deadline availability, Rob Blake talked about uh, Ben Hutton and kind of left the door open to re-signing him at the end of the season. I think a lot of that is going to be dictated by how well any of the young guys do who get brought up over the course of the rest of the season. So I would not be surprised to see Kale Clay get some games. Uh, Mikey Anderson, his name has come up a lot. I think he's someone who probably still overall needs more time in the AHL before he's ready to make the jump permanently. But I wouldn't mind seeing him get a couple of games just to A, give him like the cup of coffee to hang out in the NHL for a little bit and to get him sort of the, this is the pro experience, this is the pro game at the NHL level, like get ready for next year because a spot is yours to claim. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing him get that sort of opportunity. Um, Spies Bierenfoot, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a few more games too. They're going to do everything they can to keep him under uh, the nine game limit to make sure that his first year of his entry level contract doesn't get burned. But there are some young defensemen in Ontario right now who could conceivably be pushing for spots next year. And I wouldn't be surprised to see the Kings do the same thing they did the beginning of this year in signing Hutton and Joachim Ryan, where they just kind of go out and get like a cheap body to play on defense next year. Like, especially if next year is going to be just as like meh as this year, like whatever, just get a guy back there. Who cares? Trevor Lewis, of course, is the other name from the forwards who had been sort of speculated to get moved. I know the Capitals were a name that came up a lot in regards to Trevor Lewis. My guess is that that was probably derailed by the Capitals going out and getting Ilya Kovalchuk. Not that those two are like, you know, interchangeable at all in any way, shape or form, but you know, if the Capitals already had to make moves to make room for Kovalchuk, they probably didn't want to have to push out more players uh, to make room for Trevor Lewis. So Lewis will stay on the Kings. Blake was also a little cagey as to whether or not he would be re-signed. I think Trevor Lewis would probably do anything to stay with the Kings. So if it's a matter of money, I would easily see him taking a hometown discount, so to speak, uh, to stay with the Kings. But that will be an interesting one to keep an eye on over the summer, you know, I always kind of thought that the Kings would eventually have to pick between Cal Clifford and Trevor Lewis, and that whichever one remained would be the one that would stay. And right now, that's Trevor Lewis, but it is also possible that the Kings move on from him. As I was talking about on another podcast that I was on, like, you know, the big thing with them, with Lewis and Clifford both, is that, like, they're big culture guys. They're big, like, good in the room guys. And, you know, is there any sort of wariness of losing two guys who are kind of the heart and soul and heartbeat of your team? Like, yes, but if you also can't rely on guys like Andre Kopitar and like Dustin Brown and even Jeff Carter, like, if you can't rely on those veterans to help instill the culture that you want, then like, what are we even doing here? Then like, what's even the point of having any, like, just blow the whole thing up then. If you don't think that someone like Dustin Brown can't instill that, you know, work ethic and can't show some of these young guys how to be a pro and how to come prepared every day or whatever, like do you really need all of them? Like, no, you eventually have to start moving them out to make spots for other players. So Trevor Lewis remains a king. 
Ben Hutton remains a king. Joachim Ryan remains a king, but he'll probably keep being scratched, I'm going to guess, especially if they do want to start seeing some of the younger guys. Uh, Joachim Ryan's the easiest guy to take out. He's had more games that are unimpressive than uh, the other way around. So, you know, whatever. In terms of moves to get people ready for the AHL, because Monday was also the deadline to put people on an AHL roster to have them be eligible for the playoffs. Cal Peterson and Gabe Velarde were both temporarily reassigned there. Uh, So that means that if the rain do manage to squeak into the playoffs, and right now it's kind of a coin toss, they have been kind of slumping, especially without guys like Velarde and Ferk and Peterson. They've been a little bit iffy. If they make the playoffs, that means that Peterson and Velarde can both play in the playoffs. I believe that Velarde may possibly stay in the AHL a little bit longer. Um, I don't think they immediately recalled him back to the Kings. Cal Peterson was basically just a paper transaction. He went down and then now is immediately back up with the Kings. Blake said that a lot of what happens with Velarde is, you know, kind of up in the air and they're still evaluating what to do. In the game against Edmonton on Sunday, uh, he did kind of have fewer minutes, was sort of more sheltered uh, than he was in previous games. And, you know, that's all part of the learning process and all part of learning how to play in the NHL and learning uh, what your coach wants and uh, how fast paced the game is and whatever. But, you know, he was fine. He wasn't like, you know, he didn't score a goal. 10 seconds into his first shift in, you know, his subsequent games, but uh, I certainly did not expect that to happen. But he may stay in Ontario a little bit longer, but I would expect to see him back in the NHL as well at some point before the end of the year, just to give him a few more games um, since, you know, that doesn't affect anything with his contract or anything. Just, you know, give him a little more time uh, up here to hang out and see what it's like in the NHL. One name that was not mentioned was Martin Furk. He could have been reassigned to the AHL, even just as a paper transaction, but um, was not. There are also kind of some difficulties or concerns with his contract, uh, especially given the new contract that he just signed, because he would have had to pass through waivers, especially with the new deal that he just signed with the Kings. There was just too much fear that he would have had to go through waivers and another team was going to claim him. Blake said that they read a lot up on uh, the specific rules about him, about his situation in the collective bargaining agreement. And Blake said, even if we went past the deadline and he played in a game in the NHL, even if we paper trailed him and played him again, he'd still need waivers. Uh, This is because of the new contract. Uh, He's got two years left. A team could have claimed him, but wouldn't have been able to use him in the playoffs. But we weren't going to risk that. I think once we did those deals last week, we knew that Martin would be up here for the remainder of the season. So that stinks for Ontario because he has clearly been their best player. Uh, He, despite missing like something like 15 plus games of the Ontario Reign season. He was, the last time I checked, still their leading scorer, playing at a point per game pace. Uh, So that is a big blow for Ontario. If they do make the postseason, they're going to be doing it without their AHL all-star champion. But good news for Martin Furk, who will have now the security of knowing that at least for the foreseeable future, um, and you know, I don't anticipate anything crazy happening with the Kings roster next season that would push him out. uh, So he may have finally found an NHL home. Uh, He bounced around between the Red Wings and the Hurricanes and the Red Wings eventually just kind of like kept healthy scratching him because they didn't want to waive him and then they lost him on waivers. Like it's just been like an odyssey for Martin Furk. And he was brought 
brought into this organization expecting to be the kind of mentor, the older guy to hang out with all the young kids and be around for them and teach them how to be pros. Uh, but his performance very quickly made it clear that he was going to be more to this organization than just the guy to be a you know good influence on the kids. So Martin Furk not going to Ontario. Bad news for the rain. Very good news for Martin Furk because he, uh, he knows where he's going to be. And that's pretty excellent for him. Other trade news around the league, like, none of it really affects the Kings. I think there's been some sort of, like, consternation over could Rob Blake have waited a little longer and gotten a better deal for Toffoli? Maybe. Possibly. I'd rather him have made that move when he did, though, instead of waiting, because there was every chance that things would have not gone the way that you wanted them to go if he had waited until the trade deadline. I liked the fact that he just went for it. Like, whatever. Could he have gotten a better deal? Probably. Maybe. But I don't think that the return he got from Vancouver, or same thing with the Martinez trade, I don't think that any of those returns would have been significantly better had he waited until today, or they would have had more conditions or stipulations or whatever attached to them uh, that he was not going to be willing to pay. And so, you know, like, it's fine. I don't think that, would you compare Alec Martinez to Sammy Vatanen? Would you compare, I feel like the, the big one that people have talked about A is the Barkley Goodrow trade where San Jose sent Barkley Goodrow to the Tampa Bay Lightning in exchange for a first round pick and Anthony Greco. Greco is someone who could definitely turn out to be something and they're also getting Tampa's first round pick. Uh, which will be a low first round. I don't anticipate Tampa getting swept out of the playoffs again. So that one, you know, is a little, hmm, maybe we could have gotten a little more for Toffoli, but I would think that Tyler Madden is a very good prospect and is a little closer to the NHL maybe than some of these other prospects being bandied about. It is a little weird that Barkley Goodrow's, his career total points is 71 points in 268 games. Uh, And so he is certainly much more of a like defensive grinder all around kind of player, like who has worked on rounding out his game. Like I just, I have a lot of questions as to that one. So I could see looking at that, that trade and being like, wow, like Blake really got fleeced onto Foley, but also like, "Eh," you know, did you really want to wait? for that? Like, did you want to wait around and see? Like, you know, maybe Barkley Goodrow is the type of player that Tampa was looking for. They maybe weren't looking for a Toffoli. They were looking for a guy they could put on their third, fourth line, know he would chip in a little offense and, you know, know that he would lay it all on the line to kill penalties or whatever. You know, if they weren't looking for a Toffoli, you can't make them take a Toffoli, which sounds like a really bad candy or something. Tyler Ennis went for a fifth round pick. Like, that's nothing. Nick Cousins for a fourth round pick. Connor Sherry and Evan Rodriguez for Dominic Cahoon. None of those guys are to Foley levels. And I would argue that, you know, the Kings wouldn't have wanted to receive back two random roster players that they would have had to insert in. Andreas Athanasiu and some other guy in exchange for Sam Gagné and two second round picks. Like, okay, that one I could see sort of being a comparable, but Athanasiu has like speed for days. He had 30 goals last season, kind of a Toffoli-esque situation there actually with him. Uh, Last season, he scored 30 goals. He was shooting 13.9%. His career average is 
closer to 12. This year, he's shooting closer to nine. Uh, The season before that, the 30-goal season was shooting closer to nine. Is the 30-goal scorer really who Andreas Athanasiou is? Like, no. But he's just really heckin' fast. So, like, you pay a premium to put, like, the next fastest guy next to to Connor McDavid. I just, I, I don't, I don't see that any of these moves, like the Vincent Trocek, like Toffoli's not a Trocek, like Trocek's a better player and also had term on his deal. Uh, the Hurricanes weren't looking for rentals. They were looking for people who could stick around. So, you know, they're, they're going to pay a premium for that as well. And they play, they paid, you know, a couple of prospects, uh, a guy who probably wasn't going to re-sign with them anyway. Jean-Gabriel Peugeot, like the, the Islanders, gave up a whole bunch of stuff, a first round, a second round, and a third round pick uh, spread out over the next couple years. Like, that's bonkers. I don't really know what was going on with that. And he's the benefit of shooting really well and having a very low, like, goalie save percentage when he's on the ice. So, you know, if you look at his numbers and you look at Toffoli's numbers, like, yes, Peugeot is way more of attractive of a trade target. So I can't say looking at any of these other trades that I really would have thought that the Kings could have done better. Like, is there always the possibility that they could have? Yes, because that's the way the world works. But overall, like, I think Rob Blake did fine. And yes, it's still going to hurt to see Tyler Toffoli and to see Alec Martinez and like even Derek Forbert a little bit, like, you know, he wasn't my favorite player. I wasn't particularly attached to him, but you still follow a guy's career for years and watch him on your team and, you know, seeing him playing for another, another team, another organization and seeing him in the playoffs, like that's going to hurt a little bit, but it is what it is. And I think that this is an exciting time for the Kings because it really does move even further towards the youth movement. It does move towards opening up spots for some of these players who we want and need to see more from. Now is the time from now until April, whatever, when the regular season ends, that these young guys and not just the like Velardis of of the world uh, who are in their very first, you know, budding days of their NHL career, but some of these like middle kind of guys, the the Wagners and the Luffs down in Ontario and like these sort of bubble guys who have been around the league for a little bit, but are still trying to find their role and find their place this is where they need to shine. This is where they need to step up because like, I don't have the stats in front of me, but like, I swear they're all RFAs and they're playing for their next deal. Do they want to get more than like the minimum required? Do they want to get some assurance that they are part of this team's future? Do they want to get that show me contract of like, okay, we'll pay you a little more and you show us, you show us, you deserve this. And you know, you go from there. Like this is a big year for a lot of people and a lot of guys are playing for 2020, 2021 and beyond. This is it. This is the time. Andre Kopitar doesn't have to prove himself. Jeff Carter doesn't have to prove himself. Like we know who those guys are. And now it's time for some of these like middling guys who still don't have a a real role carved out for them on the team. It's time for them to prove it. It's time for them to show what they've got. So It's going to be an interesting road down the stretch, and I think it could be fun. Like, the games aren't going to be fun, but looking to see those little glimmers of improvement or to see players take those next steps or play their way off of the team, um, I think is going to be really fascinating to watch. So we've got a lot to keep our eyes on down the stretch, aside from, like, 
you know, watching all these other teams load up and throw around draft picks and prospects and players and stuff. That's fun for everyone else who's good at their jobs and stuff, but we cover the Kings. Like, they're bad. And this is what we've got to be excited about is waiting to see if a third liner rises up and like carpes that diem and uh, becomes something. So we've got a lot to watch over the next month plus ish of the season. And of course, we'll be here every day ish <laughs> to talk about that on Locked On Los Angeles Kings later this week. Um, I've had a couple of reader questions about prospects and stuff that I want to get to. Uh, now that we can be done with trades and deadline speculation and all that stuff, I'm going to dig into that later this week. Um, I also want to talk to you about Alex Tricot, who I had the pleasure of getting to watch play over the weekend. Um, want to talk to you a little bit about those games that I saw up in Wisconsin. So a little preview of what is to come for the rest of the week. Of course, the Kings also have games all week long, so we'll be checking in on them as well. Until next time, you can follow me on Twitter at Right Said Sarah. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on LA Kings. Uh, Give me a follow both places uh, for fun and news and pictures and all sorts of crazy stuff. Make sure you're subscribed to the show if you aren't already. Uh, Whatever app you're listening to the show in, whatever website you're on, I'm sure there's a big subscribe button. Just go find it and hit it and click it, and then you'll be subscribed to this show to get it delivered to you basically every day. Leave a rating or a review. Tell people what you're liking about the show. And of course, tell all your friends all about it. Make sure anyone that you know who likes the Kings is also listening to this show to get all of my weird hot takes all season long here on Locked on Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network work your team every day.